After landing their pillar at left tackle, the Seahawks have three picks in the second and third round and a real chance to add premium talent on day two of the 2022 NFL Draft. I'll be taking a look at the best prospects available heading into Friday's festivities on our latest installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked on Seahawks. Happy Blue Friday to all of our listeners. Jam-packed episode coming your way. The Seahawks last night bringing in their new left tackle of the future with their top 10 selection. I'll be examining what Charles Cross brings to the table for Seattle along the offensive line and why it was a good pick at number nine overall. Plus, I'll be investigating the best players available and what the Seahawks should do from a strategy perspective heading into day two of the 2022 NFL draft. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. Throughout the John Schneider and Pete Carroll era, the Seahawks have been known for throwing curveballs early in the draft. They haven't picked in the first round in a number of years where they've either traded down out of the first round or they traded their first round pick for proven talent like Jimmy Graham, Jamal Adams, Percy Harvin. So it had been a long time since the Seahawks had made a top 10 selection. In fact, that was Schneider and Carroll's first year at the helm back in 2010 when they picked tackle Russell Okung. It seems everything has gone full circle now as the Seahawks picked their new left tackle of the future and Charles Cross at number nine overall on Thursday night. And John Schneider admitted they were trying to move down, even had an opportunity to potentially trade up. We may never know who the player was that they were targeting to move up in the top 10, but those deals fell apart. They had to sit their waist, uh, sit their weight patiently, hoping to see one of those left tackles fall to them at number nine. And that's exactly what happened with Cross being available, falling into their lap. He's widely considered one of the best pass protectors in college football. Maybe the best pass protector in this draft class. Gave up just two sacks on more than 700 pass blocking reps last year for Mississippi State. And he was playing in an offense coached by Mike Leach. It's an air raid scheme. They sling the pigskin all over the yard. So he's got a ton of opportunities where he's had to go against top-tier pass rushers in the SEC, and he held his own. This guy's a great athlete, former basketball player, really glides on his feet, mirrors well, and he's got 34.5-inch arms, uses those effectively to keep his hands engaged on defenders, whether they're speed rushing, bull rushing. He sets a firm anchor, even though he's only 315 pounds, not the biggest tackle in this class, sets a firm anchor. He's got some issues where his hands sometimes get too far outside. I think that's something he's going to have to clean up at the next level. He didn't get called for a ton of holding penalties at Mississippi State. That will change in the NFL, though, if he's getting outside the defender's shoulder pads. It's going to put him in some bad spots if he's trying to do that anyway. He's going to have to work in his hand technique. He plays with a bit of a narrow base as well. So that's something we'll have to correct. Otherwise, he's going to get burned by speed rushers at the next level. But this is a kid that's only 21 years old. He's got great athletic traits. He's a really smart, high IQ football player, like Mike, uh, Mike Leach told uh, ESPN 710 yesterday, that this is a kid, you coach him, you teach him, he, he fixes things after one mistake. And so that's the kind of player that you want at pick number nine. 
And this is a foundational piece. The Seahawks are going back to their roots. And sure, there are going to be questions about his ability to run block coming from an air raid scheme. He never had his hand in the dirt the last two years. But as he noted talking to reporters yesterday, at the beginning of his college career, he was not recruited by Mike Leach. He was actually recruited by Joe Moorhead, who was the coach before then, coming from Penn State, a much more run-oriented offense. And he played with his hand in the dirt quite a bit his first year, played in three games that season. In high school, he played out of a three-point stance. He's been working on it throughout the pre-draft process. And when you watch the tape, you see a player that is a much better run blocker than I think most realize. He plays with low leverage, good leverage, gets his hands into defenders and fires violent strikes. He knocks people off the football consistently when you watch the tape. And Pete Carroll was talking about that last night. There is a sense of nastiness to his game, even if he was playing in an air raid offense. This is a player that looks like he takes pride in his run blocking. And so a lot of people were looking at this fit on mock drafts and wondering, is he really the right guy? At left tackle, he's smaller, he's a pass protector, he's not known for his run blocking, but you watch the tape and you can see what the Seahawks fell in love with. He also had a pro football focus grade of 84.9 as a run blocker, which is pretty darn good. Limited reps, they only had 200 rushing plays last year when he was on the field, so not a lot of opportunities, but he was effective with those chances. So I think he's got a great chance to come in day one and be your starter, be the anchor at left tackle. There are going to be some growing pains learning a new offense, a a pro-style running game, there will be some adjustments for him. But the Seahawks are confident his athletic ability, his physicality, and what they've seen on film, it's going to translate. He's going to be able to make that adjustment pretty quick. And there's no denying his pass protection skills. The big key will be making sure he works some on that base when he's getting into his pass sets and that he doesn't get his hands outside of the shoulder pads like he's been known to do at Mississippi State. Again, those are two areas that have to be cleaned up, but those are fixable flaws. This kid's got the athletic traits, and he's got the football IQ. He's got the work ethic. Everything that you're looking for, as Pete Carroll mentioned yesterday, this is a guy that checks off all the boxes, and there's really not anything not to like. He's going to have to go out and develop, just like any rookie. There are going to be growing pains. But Seahawks fans should be relieved because, unlike the past, when they've picked players like, say, Bruce Irvin in 2012, that ended up working out okay. But they have reached for a lot of first-round picks. L.J. Collier in 2019, Rashad Penny 2018, players that a lot of draft analysts did not believe were first-round talents. It always seemed like they've been trying to be the smart guys. Well, last night they were the smart guys, picking the player that people thought they should have picked, getting that foundational piece on your offensive line in Charles Cross, and he's got a chance to be a pillar at left tackle, as John Schneider mentioned, for the next decade or more. He's only 21 years old. So this is a really good pick for the Seahawks. And when you're going into a rebuild like this, again, you work inside out. You get those trenches fixed up. And the Seahawks, they have some other things they need to address there. Edge rusher, maybe getting another tackle, maybe a defensive lineman in the interior, but continue to beef up both sides of the ball. Build that foundation with some of the skill guys they already have even if Drew Locke and Geno Smith are the quarterbacks. If you have that kind of a foundation with some really intriguing young players that are only going to get better up front, that bodes well for Seattle's future, not just in 2022, but beyond as they try to get back into contention in the NFC West. And really, the way this draft has played out so far, John Schneider and Pete Carroll, they have got to be giddy because they got the left tackle they wanted. They got one of those top three guys 
that was going to be picked in the top 10. They were able to get Charles Cross, and only one of the top quarterbacks went in the first round. A bunch of really good edge rushers are available. There's some good corners, interior defensive tackles, centers, receivers, running backs. There is a ton of talent on the board. And as I'm going to talk about here in a few minutes, the Seahawks are set to be able to take advantage of that. They've got three picks coming up in the second and third round in today's day two of the 2022 NFL Draft. So I'm going to be checking out the best players available here in a few moments. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that gives you the features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the price. That means polarized lenses, well-constructed durable frames, and premium high-end finishes. Also, something you won't find anywhere else is Shady Rays' insane protection program. Shady Rays includes lost and broken protection at every pair. They will send you a brand new pair if you lose them no matter what happened. Give them a try, and if you don't love them, You'll pay nothing. It's as simple as that. Plus, 10 meals are donated to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays. Exclusively for our listeners, head to ShadyRays.com and use the code Locked On to get 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's the code Locked On for their best deal this season. 50% off two or more pairs of Shady Rays sunglasses backed by over 150,000 verified five-star reviews. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Blue Friday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. In case you missed it last night, Locked On is hosting live coverage of the 2022 NFL Draft from their studios in Dallas. They are doing a fantastic job. If you did not watch the first round last night, those guys were killing it. We've got a bunch of really great experts that are weighing in on all the selections and they're just doing a great job. It's a big step up from what we've done in the past. So make sure to check it out. They've got pick-by-pick analysis from local team experts and draft gurus. They're going to be on each of the three days of the draft. So last night through Saturday, and their draft team is going to guide you through every pick and every trade in real time. It's going to kick off again today at 4 at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure to check out the Locked on NFL channel on YouTube and on the Odyssey app. All right, the Seahawks are going into day two, and it was funny last night. Pete Carroll and John Schneider with their post-first-round press conference, of course, praising Charles Cross and being excited about the selection, as they should have been. They got one of the top tackles. It was a premium talent that they have not been able to get their hands on because they've been picking near the end of the first round or not in the first round at all for pretty much the last decade. So the opportunity to get a player like that, that is an outstanding pass protector, has upside in the run blocking department, is a good scheme fit, a great athlete. They were giddy about that, but they were even more giddy about the work that is left to be done going into day two, because this is really the other thing that came out of the Russell Wilson trade. You obviously get the number nine selection from the Broncos. That's what allows you to get Charles Cross in the top 10. But you also got a second round pick, and you now have back-to-back picks in the top 10 picks in the second round, 40 and 41. They also have pick 72 in the third round. They have the picks, as Pete Carroll said, to do some damage on Friday. And you look at the players that are available right now, my top 10 players still on the big board. There's several quarterbacks that are still available, and there, there's been some speculation here. Maybe the Seahawks want to wait till 2023, and maybe they do. But Malik Willis is a player that has incredible upside. The physical traits are off the charts, 
as a first-round selection, there's a lot of boom or bust there. But when you can get a player with his arm strength and his athleticism and his leadership skills, when you can get a prospect like that that you can mold in the second round, that has a chance to be an absolute steal for the Seahawks. So for me, he's the number one player available on this board. This is a guy that was getting a lot of looks as a first-rounder, and it just didn't happen. And that tells you everything you need to know about this quarterback class. But I still think he's got a chance to be a very good pro in time. He's just not polished at all. Probably not going to be ready to play day one. But you can afford to rest him for a year, sit him for a year, and have him learn under the veterans on your roster. If you're the Seahawks, a second-round pick, you can do that much more than if you would have invested a first-round pick on him. And I look at the defenders that are available in this part of the draft. Nicobe Dean from Georgia, a little bit undersized, 229 pounds, but this guy can fly all over the field. He's a sideline to sideline linebacker. He had six sacks and two interceptions for Georgia last year. So he can do a little bit of everything. This is a player you can blitz. He can get after the quarterback. He can drop back into coverage. He's a great athlete. He can cover running backs. He can cover slot receivers. He can cover tight ends. The biggest issue for him is going to be the fact he's under six foot and he's 229 pounds. He's really built like a running back playing linebacker. And if the Seahawks were still playing a 4-3 defense, that might make some sense. I just have some hesitation about him playing in a 3-4 defense where he's going to have to take on more blocks and be able to disengage and shed. I think they're going to be looking for some bigger linebackers. So even though he's near the top of my board, I wouldn't be shocked if they picked him just because he's a great athlete and he's a really darn good football player. But his size is something I think with where they're going scheme-wise isn't going to make a lot of sense. And then you look at the edge positions. This was the other thing that unfolded yesterday. Jermaine Johnson going all the way down to 26 to the Jets. There were a couple other guys like Boye Mafe from Minnesota and Arnold Ebicady from Penn State that I thought had a chance to be first-round picks, and yet they are still on the board. To me, that is now the second biggest need for the Seahawks. They've already addressed the tackle position. I think quarterbacks got to still be considered top three because they haven't picked one yet. Drew Locke Geno Smith both have losing records as starters. They're going to have to find a long-term guy at some point. If it's not this draft, then maybe next year. But edge rusher, to me, is the next one on that list. You do have Daryl Taylor. You signed Uchenna Nuosu. But if you can put Boye Mafe or Arnold Ebicady or Logan Hall from Houston, one of those three, there's a lot of really intriguing edge rushers that I think would be great fits in a 3-4 scheme. Mafe and Ebicady as those overhang linebackers, defensive ends in base, those guys would be lethal rotating in with Daryl Taylor and Uchenna Nwosu. That would give you quite a trifecta of young pass rushers to send after quarterbacks. And I think that those guys all have the ability to drop back in coverage too. So it makes it, it's less predictable. Last year, the Seahawks had some guys playing those positions when they were in those looks that you knew they were going to rush or KJ Wright a few years ago. Not really much of a threat blitzing, but you knew he was going to drop back in coverage. It really takes away the predictability element when you can bring in a player like this. So Mafe and Ebicady, both extremely athletic edge rushers that can get after the quarterback. Logan Hall is a player that at 270-plus pounds could play base and he could play off-ball linebacker. He has incredible versatility, and he's a fantastic athlete with one of the quickest first steps. You'll see he plays with violent hands. Plays a little upright for me. That's something he's going to have to work on. But all three of those players would make a ton of sense at pick 40 or pick 41 for the Seahawks. And looking at the rest of my big board here, 
You've got a couple corners that are intriguing that are still left on the board. I've got one in my top 10. Andrew Booth, everybody was talking first round coming out of Clemson. And this guy's a former five-star recruit, six foot, arms a little under 32 inches, but he's a really athletic, twitchy corner. There are some question marks about his ability to play man coverage. His tackling has been hit and miss, and there's been some durability concerns. So I think that's the reason he's still on the board, but he's a very good zone corner. I know Seattle's going towards more man, but he could make some sense for them. You look at the other quarterbacks that are available. I could have put Sam Howell on this list, but Desmond Ritter, I think, is the second best quarterback that is available right now. Howell would make a lot of sense for Seattle there as well. He would be just outside the peripheral on this list. But you've got three quarterbacks that are intriguing. Even Matt Corral could be added into that mix. The Seahawks have a lot of flexibility going after a quarterback in the second round if they wish to do so. You've got an interior defensive lineman in Perry and Winfrey, who's a really good athlete, a quick first step. I have some questions about his run defense, but I think he could develop into a player that fits into Seattle's plans, and he's very disruptive as an interior pass rusher. Even if he's just playing as a rotational player, that would maybe be an asset for them. Maybe a little rich for 40-41 with the needs that they have, but that's somebody to consider. And even at running back, Brees Hall from Iowa State, one of the most productive backs in all of college football. He's got size. He's got sub-4-4 speed. He's got really soft hands out of the backfield. This is a rare every down back that you can justify using an early draft choice on. They have Rashad Penny and Chris Carson coming back, but they're both free agents next year. And Carson's coming off next surgery. Who knows if he's going to be able to play. So drafting a running back, I think, is going to be a little higher priority. I don't know if it's draft in the second round priority, but if they were going to do so, Brees Hall is a player that in some drafts would have gone in the first round. Not this year with the depth at a number of positions, but he's a player that's got that kind of ability, that kind of talent, and I think he'd be a really good fit in Seattle's offense. Maybe he could become your feature back in 2023, or you have him and Penny as your guys moving forward, depending how Penny plays this season. I could see Seattle doing something like that as well. But the Seahawks have a lot of options here. And there are a number of players I didn't mention. You know, if the Seahawks were looking for receivers, there are four or five guys here that have borderline first-round talent that are still on the board. Christian Watson from North Dakota State being one of them at 6'4", 4.36, 40-yard dash speed. Seahawks had him in for a top 30 visit. I would not be surprised at all if Seattle went that route. They were looking for some receivers in free agency. Maybe they would draft one. Ultimately, though, the strategy should be built around, depending on what they think of the quarterbacks, QB, edge rushers. This is a really good linebacker class. There's some guys I didn't mention on that top 10 list, like Leo Chanel and Troy Anderson, that could be available. Channing Tindall, another Georgia linebacker. There's some really good depth. Brandon Smith from Penn State. I could keep rattling off names. There's a lot of depth at edge rush. There's a lot of depth at the center position that still hasn't been touched yet, Cam Jurgens being the headliner. Maybe that's a guy they could look at. A lot of names here for the Seahawks. A lot of flexibility with three picks in the second and third round. So what should they be doing going into these two rounds? What should the strategy be? I'm going to be breaking that down here in a moment as we continue our Blue Friday episode of Locked On Seahawks. If you're looking to step up your workout game this summer, make sure to grab a Built Bar They are absolutely delicious, covered in 100% chocolate, less than 200 calories, less than 5 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. It's the perfect pre-workout or post-workout snack 
Or if you're just looking for something sweet in the evening that's not going to destroy your diet, it's a great go-to snack as well. If you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs, they're absolutely delicious. Again, covered in 100% chocolate. It's a protein-infused marshmallow. Comes in several delicious flavors. My personal favorite being banana cream pie. I'll eat two or three of those in one sitting. Regular Built Bar also comes in several delicious flavors, including peanut butter brownie, salted caramel, orange cream, and they're coming out with new flavors every single month. So make sure to check out Built.com and see what they're cooking up for the month of April. Check out Built.com and use the code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's Built.com. Use the code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. You're listening to the Locked on Seahawks podcast, Blue Friday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Getting ready for day two of the 2022 NFL Draft. Still a ton of talent on the board, both on the offensive and defensive side of the football. And the Seahawks have three picks, number 40, 41, and 72. So they've got a chance to do some real damage and add premium talent in the second and third round. As I mentioned last quarter, again, look at the talent out there. Four of the top five quarterbacks are still there. And that's the big thing when you're looking at Seattle's strategy going into day two. They got their offensive tackle that they wanted at pick number nine. You get Charles Cross from Mississippi State. You fortify your line at the most important position aside from quarterback, left tackle, your blindside protector. You're hoping you now have that guy for the next decade plus that can protect whoever is under center. So you checked off that major need. You look at what else Seattle needs to do. Could they go quarterback? Absolutely. They've been linked to a number of the guys that are still available. Malik Willis met with them at the Combine. They had Desmond Ritter in for a top 30 visit. Sam Howell met with them at the Combine. Matt Corral, there's been pictures floating around him talking to Pete Carroll at the Combine. So all four of these players have been linked to the Seahawks at some point during the pre-draft process. Now, whether they like any of them enough to pick them here at 40 and 41 remains to be seen, but... If they do want one of these quarterbacks, you look at the draft order. Tampa Bay traded down to number 33. You've got the Vikings at 34, Titans 35, Giants 36, Texans 37, Jets 38, and Bears 39. Those are the seven picks in front of the Seahawks. You look at that list. The Bucs obviously have Tom Brady, but they could maybe go after a young quarterback. They did draft the Florida kid, Kyle Trask, a couple years ago. So maybe they still view him as a potential successor to Tom Brady, but they could draft another QB. I wouldn't completely rule that out. I think they'll go another direction, though, to build around Tom Brady because they're in win-now mode. The Vikings just extended Kirk Cousins. I'd find it hard to believe they'd be drafting a quarterback this early. The Titans at 35 might be a wild card, especially because Desmond Ritter happened to play at the University of Cincinnati, and their coach is good friends with Tennessee's coach, Mike Vrabel. So maybe that's a possibility. The Titans have already done some weird things in the first day of the draft. Could do something crazy like draft a quarterback at 35. The Giants, 36, their new coach, Brian Dable, seems to be confident that he can get Daniel Jones turned around. So I don't know if they would pick one. The Texans have Davis Mills, but maybe that's a team if the right quarterback is still there that could pull the trigger and the Jets and Bears just drafted quarterbacks in the first round last year so they won't be picking one in front of the Seahawks it doesn't look like they have too much to worry about there should be at least a couple quarterbacks that get to them the problem is you look behind the Seahawks that's where the quarterback needy teams are at the Colts at 42 they could use somebody to develop behind Matt Ryan he doesn't have a ton of football left in it 
The Falcons just got rid of Matt Ryan. They need a quarterback. The Lions have Jared Goff, but is he your long-term answer? Probably not. They could try to move up and get a quarterback. And then the Saints at 49, the Saints didn't pick a QB with their two first-round picks. They could try to move up and get one. So those teams could all try to leapfrog the Seahawks, which leads me to this premise. If you look at what Seattle needs to do, if they want to get a quarterback, whether it's Sam Howell, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, I think trading up needs to be on the table. And at worst, pick 40 is when they need to pick the quarterback. That gives you the flexibility where you have 41 right afterward. Teams might be trying to trade with you that want a quarterback with pick 41. You can get a day three pick just trading down a few spots with somebody like the Falcons or the Lions or the Saints. There are possibilities there. But if they're wanting to trade up, they're not going to have to give up very much. That's the other benefit of being at pick 40 and 41 and only having a handful of teams in front of you in round two. This is based on the Rich Hill draft trade chart. The Seahawks could move all the way up to 33 and kick off the second round by dealing 40 and their fourth round pick number 109. That's a pretty even trade, 181 points to 180 points. They could trade the Vikings at 34 with that same package, get number 34 as well as pick number 191. That is a dead even 181 to 181 point trade. As for the Titans, if they're not one to go quarterback and they want to recoup some picks, they would trade 163 to go with 35. And then the Giants and Texans, those are two other options. If they don't want to pick a quarterback and Seattle wants to slide up, in all these cases, the Seahawks are giving up a fourth or a fifth round pick on top of that second rounder. This is a pretty cheap investment. You could throw future draft picks into the mix here too if you wanted to, say, send a fourth round pick in 2023. That's worth the equivalent of a fifth round pick in 2022 metrics. So, you know, that's not something teams like to do most of the time. John Schneider doesn't like to trade away future picks, but they have options. It's not going to be expensive. If you want to go up and get Malik Willis or you want to go up and get Sam Howell, there are a bunch of teams in front of you that, that you know you could swing a deal with if you want a quarterback that would be willing to move down at this stage of the draft. And there's so much talent still on the board. These teams are going to have to worry about getting their guy. So I think if they're going to move for a quarterback, there's a pretty good chance that they could slide into one of these first seven picks. Maybe one of those first picks with the Bucks, Vikings, and Titans, potentially they could move up and go get their quarterback. And they could trade up for something else too. You know, maybe the Seahawks love Boye Mafe or Arnold Ebicady. Trading up for a non-QB position at the end of the first round, not something that happens a lot. But early second round, Yes, it does. So if the Seahawks have a pass rusher that they want, they have the capital. And again, it's not going to be that expensive resource-wise for them to slide up a couple of picks if there's a guy that they really want. And John Schneider could trade the other second rounder back to try to recoup a day three pick. There's tons of flexibility when you have that many draft picks that you can work with on day three. And so this really makes this intriguing. If I'm John Schneider going into this process, I am looking at the way that the quarterback room has fallen and the fact that Malik Willis and Ritter and Sam Howell are all still there. You could say, well, that that makes it look like these guys aren't viewed very highly in the NFL. Yeah, that may be. But these guys all have talent and in the right system could be successful and the Seahawks are not necessarily in a position where they have to throw a rookie quarterback into the lineup right away. 
They believe that Drew Locke could still turn into something. They saw what Geno Smith could do in a few games last year, and they trust him running the offense. At least as a short-term bridge quarterback, they've got some options. So they don't have to force the issue. They can develop a quarterback properly, or they could have a rookie come in and win the starting job. Last time that happened, it worked out pretty well for the Seahawks. So I still think going for a quarterback here could make some sense. But if you don't want to go that direction, you could go edge rush and a corner. You know, you've got Tariq Woolen still out there. You've got Andrew Booth from Clemson, I mentioned earlier, that's still out there. Cam Britt Taylor from Nebraska, player they had in a top 30 visit. Alante Taylor from Tennessee. You could go interior defensive line with a player like Perion Winfrey or DeMarvin Leal from Texas A&M. If they want to go back to the offensive line, Cam Jurgens, uh, Cam Jurgens from Nebraska. Maybe Luke Fortner from Kentucky with pick 72 could make some sense. There's just so much talent still on the board. The Seahawks have a ton of different options depending on what they want to do as far as building their roster. They might truly look at this as a situation where, hey, we get our quarterback next year. We're going to build the entire foundation right now away from the quarterback position. And if they do that, that's fine. Bolster your trenches. Go out and get some help at corner. Get guys that can get after the quarterback. They've already addressed the left tackle position. They could double up at tackle. Who knows? They entered this draft with only three players on the roster at that position. So John Schneider and Pete Carroll, there's a reason that they were so excited after that interview last night. Because they know they've got this comp- uh, this they know they've got this draft capital. They've got all these picks that they can work with at their disposal, and they have a chance to add several really talented players to this roster and really accelerate this rebuild to get back into the mix competing in the NFC West. It's going to be really fascinating to see how this plays out, whether or not they pick a quarterback, what they choose to do with their pass rush. Do they pick a wild card like a running back, a receiver, a tight end? You never know what's going to happen with John Schneider and Pete Carroll, but they have tons of options so far. This draft has played out beautifully for them, getting the left tackle, seeing the quarterbacks fall to round two all the edge rushers that are still available, they are set up, as Pete Carroll hopes, to do some real damage on Friday and really get this roster infused with some quality young talent heading into the 2022 season. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on Monday, I'll be rejoined by Rob Rang. The two of us will be breaking down Seattle's entire draft class. By that point, all seven rounds will be in the books. We'll start taking a look at some of the undrafted rookies that are coming to Seattle as well. That's one of the exciting things post-draft, seeing which priority free agents will be joining Seahawks. We'll be breaking it all down in a jam-packed Monday episode. Enjoy the rest of the draft. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.